How many of you enjoy someone being late that you are waiting on? Isn't that fun? Five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. It's always fun when someone is, is late. And I saw some uh, jokes on being late, or maybe they're not jokes. Uh, the students, uh, this had to be in a college class. A young lady showed up late for class several days in a row, and the professor, some won't let you in, but let, finally said, do you know what the word tardy means in the the uh, young lady responded back, no, you almost have covered that before I got here this morning. This had to be a high school student, probably a high school boy. He had shown up five days in a row late to his first class, and finally the teacher sent him to the office and went to the principal, and he saw the note five days in a row. You've been late five days in a row. Are you happy about that? And he said, I sure am. That must mean it's Friday. <laughs> On a more serious note... On a more serious note, you can look this up when you get home. Don't look it up right now. You'll hurt my feelings. I, I got this from Inc.com. The, these t- stats are from January of this year about how tardiness and lateness affects our economy. It's just incredible, and it's complicated how this plays out. We don't have enough time this morning in the sermon for me to tell you how all this works, but they estimate lateness, businesses, governments, schools, whatever, workplaces, people being late to work. And the, the effects of that cost governments and businesses billions of dollars a year in America. The state of California said they believe tardiness cost them about $1 billion a year in revenue. New York State, it said it was $700 million. That is absolutely incredible. Being late is, is okay if it's me being late for you. It's not the other way around normally. And it never feels good when God's late, does it? Have you ever felt like God was late in your life? Nobody. Okay. Well, listen and share this with someone later because someone you know has. We're in Luke chapter 1 this morning, and we're, we're talking about the next four weeks, really through the candlelight service, about your Christmas story. We're going to look at, in chronological order, the Christmas story, starting in Luke 1. But we want to make it real personal this morning. We want to talk about it, about how this applies to your life and my life. And the first principle this morning, the first thought that we see, it, it's not a good one. You can be exactly who you need to be. You can be exactly who you need to be, and God may not seem to be responding. Now, some of us this morning, we, we don't belong to God, and we we try to use him, or we're not where we need to be or where we once were. And so th- there's reasons God's not responding. But sometimes we can be trying to be exactly who we should be, and yet God is not showing up or he's not showing up on time. In verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. When it says, in the days of Herod, Herod had been dead now for a while. This is Herod the Great, also Herod the Evil. And the people would have known and probably even shrieked a little bit when they heard it because to say of the days of Herod to them would be like saying from the days of Hitler to us or or Osama bin Laden or someone like that. I mean, it was a scary thought to them. And he says, here's a priest named Zachariah. Now, what was it to be a priest then? It's pretty unique. You had to be able to trace your bloodline 
to Aaron, Moses' brother, to be a priest. Being a Levite was different. They were they assisted the priest. But to be a priest was a big, big thing. And you couldn't just decide. You couldn't come down this morning and go, God is calling me to be a priest. You had to, a Jewish priest, you had to trace your bloodline back to Aaron. I had a friend in New York City, this was several years ago, he could, a Jewish man, trace his bloodline all the way back to Aaron. It was incredible. He was a psychiatrist, kind of like a priest, dealt with people, just gave him medicine. And it says he's a priest, so that's a very honorable thing to a Jewish person. And it says his wife was the daughter of a priest. Now, a priest by law had to marry a godly person, but to marry a, a priest's daughter, I mean, man, this is a bloodline union. This is an awesome thing. This is, this is a great thing. And it says in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. Now, this is significant for a few reasons. There were a lot of corrupt priests at this time. And in Jesus' day, we see the corruption that went on in the temple. And, and we're going to see in a moment, they could not have kids. And, and this had nothing to do with being righteous or unrighteousness. But some of the people in that day thought if you couldn't have a kid, that was a sign maybe something was wrong between you and God. And so this statement jumps out real quick. And he says, hey, there's a lot of corrupt priest and you may you may assign your own little judgmental attitudes or labels to people but you need to know Zachariah and Elizabeth are righteous people that doesn't mean they're perfect which is blameless it just means they were godly listen they were godly we would say Christian people who love the Lord and who live for the Lord that's the key this morning see some of us are disappointed in God God's not showing up God's not answering prayers we're not who we need to be you need to be who you're supposed to be first and then you start asking God for his hand and his blessing they were righteous people and but but you get into verse 7 and it it gets kind of sad for them it says but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in age. This is cultural. This is not biblical one bit, but to them to not be able to have a kid, that was shameful. Shouldn't have been, but it was. And again, they they wondered, was God not blessing these people? Now, here was another part of it is that in this day and age, the family was your primary welfare social unit that you had. You didn't have the government uh, programs like we did. So, when you had kids and hope someday that when you got to be old, they would take care of you. And if you didn't have that, you were in a, a, a bad predicament. So they're in a tough spot. And, and here's the deal. They've got a good bloodline. It's not like they're mom and daddies and their bloodline, they're, you know, they're from bad people. They're godly people. He is a priest. She's the daughter of a priest. But yet, probably the thing that was most cherished to a person back then, it hadn't happened. It was obviously, as we read the story, a very important thing for them that they had prayed for and they wanted. And God hadn't shown up in their life. And, and I wonder this morning if there's some of you here. I know there's some of you here. If you're a Christian or if you become one and, and if, you're, if you're, you, you, you become a Christian and you live for Christ for very long, there's going to be times in your life you're going to feel like God has not shown up. God is late. Where is God? Why is God not responding? Sometimes the problem is just flat out with you and me. Sometimes the problem appears to be with God. Two things happen to me semi-frequently. Both of them amaze me in different ways. One is 
is to see people, and, and I've been in this situation, where we don't live for God, we're not following God, we, we live for ourselves, we are really running our life, God doesn't. And then when things don't happen, it's like, oh man, God just let me down. Where's God? Why is God, why is God, this, this church stuff, it's not worth it. That always amazes me how we kind of think God's Santa Claus, and I'm pro-Santa, but God's not Santa Claus. But what saddens me is when I see people like Zachariah and Elizabeth, and I see godly people in this church and other churches where you're living for God and you're trying to do what's right, and it doesn't appear like God's going to show up or he's awful late to the party. That's discouraging to me, and that's depressing. I wonder this morning, wonder this morning how many of you feel like God's being late to your show. Well, here's the second thing this morning, and this is real important that we get this. In fact, you, you don't get the miracle if you don't get this. Keep doing what you need to do. Keep going to where you need to go and keep being who you need to be. Keep doing, keep being, and keep going. You have a part in this, and God has a part. Your part and my part is to be who we need to be, to do what we need to be doing, and to keep going where we need to be going consistently as the pattern of our lives. God had not spoken, we have in the Bible now, for 400 years. He had not spoken, at least not very much, to Zachariah and Elizabeth, and there's no doubt they were, they were probably depressed. Now, this is not in the Bible, but it was part of Jewish custom in this day and age, in this era, that if a couple could not have kids, the man could divorce the wife. Now, they, biologically, they completely didn't know what they were talking about, but they just assumed it's the wife's fault, so he could divorce her, and then he could remarry so he could have an heir, and Zechariah didn't do that. Look again with me in your Bibles or on the screens in verse 6. It says, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and keeping the statutes, walking blamelessly. The tense is continual. In other words, they weren't perfect, but they kept living for God. They might have prayed 50 years and they hadn't had a kid and they kept praying and they kept staying in there and they kept trying to live for God and they kept trying to do what's right. And in verse 7, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were advanced in their age. It's funny, the King James, where it says advanced in their age, the King James Version says well stricken. Isn't that a weird? Can you imagine going to an older person today and saying, hey, you look pretty well stricken. I mean, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, these were geezers. I'm just going to put it in everyday language. These were old, these were older people. These were uh, an, an older couple. Now, verse 8 is a turning point we're going to see in a moment. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, in this day and age, there were 24 divisions of priests. You could go back in the Old Testament if you wanted to look today in First Chronicles, way in the Old Testament, chapter 23 and 24, and it addresses this. 24 divisions of priests, and there's about 20,000 priests serving at this time. 20,000. And so when they had the major festivals like Passover and things, maybe they'd all come in and do things. But normally, a priest served two terms for about seven or eight days twice a year. So now it's his term. And how easy, boy, it's going to be crucial in a moment. How easy would it have been for him to say, I've been doing this for years. I'm depressed. I'm old. I'm tired. Our most fundamental thing that we've asked God for, he has not shown up. He has not answered if he's late, he is super late to the party. 
I'm just not going to go. But it doesn't say that. It says they kept living for God. And when it was his time to go and serve God and to be at the temple, that's exactly what he did. How many times do we throw in the towel too quick? We quit praying. We quit reading our Bible. We quit coming to church. And we just say, you know what? If God's not going to do something, I'm going to do something. Years ago, a minister friend of mine was we had some job options, different churches, and they didn't know what to do. And I could tell they were kind of antsy. When you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is to what? Do nothing. You wait on God to show you what to do. And finally, they just told me, well, we didn't know what to do, so we just took this job, moved our family seven hours away, five hours away, whatever. Listen, faith is not getting on the high dive late at night and going, I don't know if there's water in the pool and I'm jumping. Faith is knowing what to do, and it doesn't make sense, and it's going to be hard, and you do it anyway. Faith's not just taking things into your own hands. I want to challenge you this morning. Some of you right now, man, life is nothing but donuts and ice cream. And that is awesome. Some of you, it is cabbage. If you like cabbage, you need to get saved right after church. We'll be down here to receive you to the Lord. (laughs) You stay with God. You keep coming to church. You know, the, the average American churchgoer today goes 1.8 times a, a month. How do you figure the 0.8? That's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, technically, that means about 2 point whatever that there's disobedience. You need to be here. You need to be in church weekly. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. Nothing's that. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep following the Lord. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep doing the things that you're supposed to do. Galatians 6, 9 is a verse you ought to memorize and write on your head and your heart. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Keep on, keep on. Be who you should be. Do what you should be doing. For in due season, we will reap, not right away. Due season may be two months. It may be two years. It may be 20 years. If we do not give up. Memorize that verse and print it on your heads in your hearts, you keep doing the right things. Listen, 80% of the people in this room would be my guest. We have control issues. <laughs> we want to control. We want to we, we want to control things. And here's the problem. There's so many things we can't control. You may or may not know this, but you can't control God. Did you know that? Well, I got a lot of money. <laughs> That's good. God will take your money and he'll make streets out of it in heaven. Isn't that neat? Streets of gold, by the way, if you don't know. Here's one thing you can control. What you do, where you go, and who you are. You can't control people around you. You keep doing what you should be doing. You keep being who you should be. And you keep going to where you need to be going. You stay with it. And here's the third thing this morning. God's timing and plans for you are perfect. Listen, God's timing is not good. God's timing is not pretty accurate. God's timing and plans for you are perfect. Man, they are absolutely always a hundred percent right. Let's read again. Verse eight, nine. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when he was on division, was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. We're going to show you the temple in this, this area in a minute. It's pretty cool. But here's what's happening. See, you read the Christmas story, and it's easy to read over this. The priests went twice a year to serve. They probably burned incense in the morning and the evening. This is probably an evening time at this point. 
they would choose by lot who got to burn the incense. Now, this is going to sound weird for religious people to do this, but that may have been they had rocks, colored rocks in a bag, and whoever got the purple one, you know, got to do it, or they, we don't know exactly how they did it, something like that. And if you were lucky, you got to do it one time in your lifetime. 20,000 priests, most scholars say that a lot of priests never, ever got to do this. To go into a part of the temple that you and I would never, ever get to go in. So it's one of the coolest things ever. And now, as an old man, he is getting an opportunity to do this. To go into a place... A very spiritual and deep place for the Jewish people. In verse 10 through 12. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. I want to show you the, the temple set up during this day. This is the temple of Jesus day. All this is considered the temple, although that's the main temple. And the, the Gentiles courtyard is where you and me as non-Jewish people could go. We couldn't go any deeper. The court of women, Jewish women and men could go in here. Now, then the, the next place is the court of Israel. We can't see it very much. That's the court of Jewish men. Women couldn't go in there. And here's the court of priests. That's where the priests could go in. And the people would stand out here and wait for the priests. But the priests could go in there. And this is the temple temple right here. Let's show the picture. Now, back here is the whole. Now, it was, it was a really big. This is just a small breakdown. This is the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Only the high priest once a year went in there. This is where, if you got lucky enough, once in your lifetime as a priest, you got to go in here. So on this day, Zechariah gets to go in here. Here's the menorah. You'll see those candles, Jewish candles uh, today. This is the table of showbread, and here's the altar of incense where he is going to offer incense up to God. And standing, I guess he had turned around. He'd gone over here to the candle. Maybe he turns around and right here to, to the right for him looking back this way would have been an angel. And it says he was terrified. The word fear, there's our word phobia. You know, I hear people all the time, man, I wish God would show up, God would speak. Do you realize how you would freak out tonight if an angel showed up in your shower? And I always love it. We'll see next week. The only person who doesn't scream when they see the angel is Mary, the teenage girl. But Zachariah freaks out. How many of you, honestly, would you freak out? Some of you be going, man, I hadn't even been drinking anything. Well, that's great. The angel of the Lord showed up, and boy, is it going to be. Oh, hey, let's, let me stop. What if Zechariah hadn't have gone to the temple, Jacob? What if he hadn't have? What if he just said, I'm tired of the God thing? It doesn't pay off to live for God. I'm not going to show up, Greg. Because he was where he was supposed to be, he's where he's going to have a God encounter. I said this three weeks ago. When you miss church and you miss your Bible and you miss your prayer time, that may be the very time God is going to really speak into your life. Show up where you need to be showing up. That's where God shows up for him. Let's look in verse 13. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid. That's always easy for an angel, isn't it? Zachariah, for your prayers have been heard years, years later. You kept praying. I've heard your prayers. You and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call him John. And you will... 
have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. This is, this is like the Nazarite vow that Samson had to take from birth. Most of the time they would take this kind of vow for 20 days, 30 days, but this was him from birth. And verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, him being the Jesus, the Messiah, and the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord Jesus a people prepared. In other words, your son's going to be the Elijah that was promised to come. Your son is going to be the one who is going to set the way for Jesus Christ. Man, the Jewish people didn't wait for the Messiah. Jesus said the greatest person that ever lived was John the Baptist. And, and Zechariah just been told, you're having this boy. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Levites had to retire at 50. Priests had no retirement age. We do not know how old that he was. Years ago in Texas, my grandfather and step-grandmother played Zachariah and Elizabeth in a Christmas play in their little church. My granddad was, was 90. He walked like this. And I wish, oh, I wish we could have videotaped them walking down the aisle like, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth and, and how funny that would have been. I don't know if Zachariah and Elizabeth were 90, but they were old. They were absolutely, they were an, an elderly couple when this happened. I heard an old man say one time, an older man, one time he, for years he was 95 and he was still in pretty good health and, and he never called his wife by her name. He always called her honey and sweetie and love and lovey. He always called her all those sweet names. And finally someone asked him, he said, man, you're just so romantic with your wife. Why do you, you, you never call her by her name? He goes, I forgot her name 15 years ago. I'm just afraid to ask her. I don't know. I think Zachariah knew who Elizabeth was. But he freaked out just like we do. Isn't it funny when you pray and pray and pray and God answers and it's like, no way that didn't just happen. Yeah, that, that happened to you? <laughs> That's what happened to him. <clears throat> Look at verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Now behold, you will be silent. See, John said, how will I know this is going to happen? Be careful about asking for a sign. Because now he says, here's how you're going to know. You're not going to be able to speak. Until the baby's born. I don't know. Listen, here's a word, men. If the angel shows up, here's what you say. God, if this is you, don't let my wife speak for 10 months, God. But that's not what happened. He wasn't thinking. Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered about his delay. When he came out, he was unable to speak. They realized he had encountered God. When his time of service was ended, he went home. Verse 24 and 25, he couldn't speak, but he could be romantic. And he went home, and this elderly lady got pregnant. And it says, and we won't read it, we just don't have time, but if you want to take it right down at the end of this chapter, verse 57 through 65, it says that she had a baby. John still couldn't speak, and she said, name it John. Everybody's saying, you don't have anybody in your family named John. They give him a tablet. Aren't you glad he didn't write like Bill or... (laughs) Josh and I were joking about it this week. If he'd have wrote the wrong name, might have been another 10 months of silence. But he writes, John, all of a sudden he can speak again. He can speak again. And it's funny, it says, and there was excitement throughout the hill country of Judea. Hill country of Judea. This church sent Cindy and I to Israel back 
2013. And we got to go to where they say is the traditional home of John the Baptist and Elizabeth and Zachariah. It's a church up there now. It's beautiful. Show them the road up there. And this doesn't do it justice. I mean, literally, it's like this for a mile. How pregnant women are geezers. Anybody got up there, I have no idea. We And there's no elevators or escalators. Any, have any of you ever been there? You... I tried to get Cindy to carry me piggyback. It was terrible. And when we got to the top of it, I fell to my knees and they said, are you okay? I said, I'm just praying. I'm praying. And, uh, and about an hour later, the guy came by, ready to go. I said, I'm just praying. And finally, Cindy said, we're going downhill. So it was like, great. But they weren't lying about the hill country of Judea. Guys, listen, here's what happened. God wasn't answering their prayers. They thought. Remember, God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, or wait. Sometimes God said no to you. Sometimes he's saying, wait. God's no always means there's something better for you or that what you wanted was not for your best. They wanted God to answer their prayer the way they wanted 50 years earlier. But God's timing was perfect. Their son was going to be tasked with be the one who was going to be the presenter of Jesus Christ. He didn't need to be born when 50 years before Jesus. He was born right at Jesus' time. He is Jesus' relative. They would have been contemporaries. The timing was perfect. They wanted a boy. They didn't just get a boy. They got one of the greatest people that's ever lived to raise as their son. And the Jewish people were not only looking for the Messiah, they were looking for the Elijah to come. God's timing and God's plan was perfect. The name Zachariah literally means God remembers. I want to tell you this morning, God has not forgotten you. And again, some of you need to file this away for the future because this is going to happen to you if you live for God and you live much longer. You're going to wonder, where is God? Why is God not showing up? Why are things not falling in place? You keep doing what you should do. You keep being who you should be. You keep going to where you should be. And God does show up. God's delays are not God's denials. Did you hear that? Sometimes God may not give you what you ask for. And that's okay because he's got something better for you. If, if God would have given me everything I'd asked for, I'd have 18 wives right now. That'd be weird. Wouldn't it? <laughs> well, our pastor, he's okay. But he's got 18 women living with him. Needs a raise every year, of course. Listen, sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer Because he knows something else is better for you. Absolutely. Sometimes God's going to answer that prayer, but it's going to be in a much different way. But it's always a better way. Sometimes God's putting something off or delaying because he's trying to get you ready. That's our part. You get ready. Some of you are not ready for what God wants to do in your life. And you, you may not even care. It'll never happen. But some of us, we care. Get ready. Sometimes God's got to break us to remake us to get us ready. Sometimes God's got you ready, but that other person isn't ready. Don't you wish the other person would hurry up and get ready? And that situation, man, God's, God's unpacking things and paving the way for it to be just right for you. Listen, God's plan for you, God's timing for you aren't good. They're not nice. They're 100% perfect every time. Years ago... I was going through some struggles, and a person told me, they said, Chris, you're looking at this for the next two weeks. You're looking at this for the next six months, and God's looking at your situation 10 years down the road. 
God's looking for how this is going to affect people beyond you. God's looking for how this and your life is going to impact people for eternity. That's what I want to tell you this morning. God's looking at your life, your situation. Not just for today, but the big picture. And I know this morning, I know if it's not true, it's true of somebody here today. But it will be in the future. Some of you are ready to quit. You're ready to quit on your marriage. You're ready to quit on God. You're ready to quit coming to church. Again, to quit praying, reading your Bible, serving, giving, whatever it is. Let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. God's delays are not his denials. Be who you should be. And watch God work in your life. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope God's speaking to you. I hope that you are ready to make some personal life adjustments. Or just to tie a knot and hang on to the rope. If you're not a Christian, or you're unsure, but you're ready to give your life to Christ, and now is the day to do that, pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son. And that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. Some of you need to give your life to Christ today. I'd be happy to talk to you after church. I'll be at this door. Ministers will be around. Maybe you're ready to come when we stand. Give your life to Christ today. Don't leave this building without doing that. Maybe you're ready to join the church. Some of you need a church to call your own. You can do that after church or you can come when we stand. But cross that line this morning too. Maybe you're a Christian and and the truth is you need to come back to God. You're not in a blessable spot in your life. Come back to God. Maybe you want to come pray with the minister or pray at the altar. We'd love to pray for you and help you any way we can. The ball's in your court. Let's stand. Let's stand and you come now as we sing.